And so it begins. The whole of his mind is apparently his personality. Wait, 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 wait. A rabbi and a boxer arrive <laughs> on a space yeah. station. Broke off. Guys, I have a stop. He's here. totally hitting on Kosh now. Totally sexual harassment. Basically, the Mount Rari are drama creeps. He's gonna come out of his butt. I can't believe this martial law wreck where I have been, dammit. Hey, <laughs> Jeff- Jeffrey Sinclair. Oh, ah, what's happening? Oh my god. The sausage must teach Rocket Cast not to blow up universe. My Whedon senses should have been tingling. <laughs> and we know that IKEA survived. This torture session may be recorded for quality assurance. <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> Now he's a dead dragon. Jack Ripper, you there. Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. And I'm Beth. It's just us today, folks. Uh, today we're going to do our seasonal <laughs> our regular look back at the season we'll be looking back at season five today the final season of babylon five mm. and yeah we talked about it this was the season that wasn't expected to happen so we <laughs> i don't know how does it rank up there with the other seasons well it depends on how you view the se- whole thing i think the way we've done it, you don't want to watch season five this way. Don't watch it week by week because it's awful that way. Well, a lot of it is awful. Some of it is quite good. But if you binge watch it, you can get through some of the bad episodes quicker. And it, yeah, yeah, it's it's not a strong season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would say it was my least favorite, actually. Yeah, I can see it. Um... Even worse, yeah. Even worse than season one. Well, one is special because, like, you're just learning everything, and you're—I mean, as a new viewer, anyway, you're you're meeting all the characters, and and actually, you know, they had some—they tried different things, and yeah, there wasn't as many hated recurring characters, I guess. Like well, uh, also, <laughs> also and and what's his face, Byron? Byron, yeah, the bees. <laughs> By this point as well, you're invested into the series, into the storyline, and into the characters. But everything comes to a screeching halt at early season five. And yeah. when you're watching it week by week, it it's so aggravating because you just want to get back to the story. And you've got to deal with this Byron mess first. Right. In my memory, this before we started watching, this season wasn't as bad as season one. It was a step down, but not as bad as season one. But watching it again, I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, I like season one a lot more. As a, yeah, it's basically, as I said, it's not best viewed week by week. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's weird. It, it's, Babylon 5 is in that transitional period of it's on the cusp of binge watching because DVDs are really just starting to become properly available, you know, and the, you know, even home video were, the price was just coming down. So although it was being broadcast on TV, people could go back and rewatch the show far easier. Mm. So it's, 
I think season five suffers because of that. Yeah. I um I don't remember if ever um uh, yeah, I think it was a little bit later before I started noticing like T V shows on DVD. I remember like cassettes of like Star Trek where you could get like a couple episodes on one tape or something like that, or maybe four episodes on a tape, but See, I used to tape my own, so Yeah. Um, Beverly Hills 90210 was the first <laughs> one I ever did that. <laughs> uh, oh, David. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was looking he's at the, the... He's like the Clarence. Yeah, he was the Clarence. <laughs> way less Clarence-y. <laughs> uh, I was looking at the ratings for the season. Like, I didn't count in the movies, just the season five episodes, and that actually brought the rating down. For the season to seven point one six, yeah, that's really bad. And season four was eight point two zero. Um, what I'm curious about whether you've done it or not. If you take out all the Byron episodes, what would the overall rating <laughs> be? Uh, it would be. I haven't done that, but it would be a lot higher because that middle section, I think, was like a six. I was uh, doing. I was kind of. Looking at different parts of the season, I think the middle section of the season had like a six point something average. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but our season one average was a one hundredth of a point higher, seven point one seven compared to seven point one six. And there were some low ones in there. <laughs> there oh was. yeah, that, that, that's the thing though. In season one, you had some awful episodes, but I think you had a lot more average episodes, and you had. One or two amazing episodes. Uh, when it comes to season five, there's one amazing episode, the finale. And then you've got a very good episode in the fall of Centauri Prime. And then the, apart from the Byron arc, the others are kind of a little bit below average. That's the problem, I think. The so- average is lower. <laughs> Which one was learning character? That was the. Uh- no, sorry. Secrets of the Soul was our least favorite episode this season. That was, I think Secrets that was of the, the soul. I don't remember which one that, that was. That was a Franklin episode, I think. I think, was that uh, the one with the people who killed out part of their planet, one race on their planet? I'm not sure. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> um, I'll tell you. Yeah. It was Lita becomes closer to Byron. <laughs> and the colony of telepaths while Franklin right. investigates a secret from the Hayek race's distant past. Yeah, uh, I see why that's lowest rated now. Two awful storylines in one episode. <laughs> Was that the Lita and Byron making love with telepaths? I think it might be. Episode, yeah. Uh, see, I, I actually started putting on season five again, and I got three episodes in before I was like, F you, Byron. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been, as I, I think I've said that, I've been listening to the other Babylon 5 rewatch podcasts, and um, the guy who played Byron actually uh, played a different role in season four. He played a um, Membari. Uh, I think he was a member of the Grey Council during... Yeah. Um, the Earth of Membari War. And so it's interesting that, you know, he had this big part before, which, from what I remember, he actually did quite well. It's just 
you know, so it, we can't blame it on the actor at all, really. I don't think it's just the role was that awful. <laughs> it was. The plot <laughs> line was awful. The hair was awful. <laughs> no more uh, telepathic beauty salon. Um, <laughs> so our most favoritist episode of the season was Sleeping in Light, of course. Of course. I, I don't think it could have been anything other than that. I think probably Fall of Centauri Prime probably came close. Um, it was actually, I think, um, yeah, I think Beth didn't like it as much as the rest oh, of us, so that yes, brought it down. Yeah. Our second highest was Moments of Fire and Shadow, the one right before Fall of Centauri Prime. That was quite good as well, yeah. But it's, I think those, some of those episodes really get forgotten about because of how bad the previous story arc is. It's, it just overshadows everything else. Weirdly, the inverse is true of a lot of stuff that happens in series four that, you know, the poor episodes are forgotten about because there's some really good episodes mixed in. Yeah. Yeah. So there was some stuff other than the telepath plotline that happened in season four. <laughs> we <laughs> got a new command. That way it's been, I guess, too much time with that. But we got a new commander who had this relationship, his past history with Sheridan, Captain Lockley. Yeah. I think we liked Captain Lockley overall. Yeah, I think so. It's a hard. Yeah, it wasn't a strong yeah. like. It's hard placing replacing Ivanova, but you know. <laughs> um, I, in the way she was replacing Ivanova, in the way she wasn't, because they she was her own character, and that that's what JMS is able to do quite well. Because Lita and Talia can be interchangeable, but they're so completely different as well. Yeah, yeah, one's like. Hundred times better than the other, <laughs> at least. <laughs> um, we got to see a little bit more of Clarence. Well, Clarence was no. more important this year. Well, yes. a lot more than we saw him in season four. <laughs> oh saw well, one yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Clarence it was, was awesome. promising because he was like right in the beginning of the first episode, and he had lines. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's a real shame. Um, yeah, these could have been so much more. They that could have been done with Clarence, and I, I don't know whether it's just JMS wanted to tell the telepath storyline, and you know, wasn't quite confident enough to pull it off in the best way. Or what, but I think if either it had been executed differently or they had actually decided to set it aside and just come up with another storyline, you might have had more Clarence. Yeah, let's blame it on the telepath storyline. <laughs> so we just keep being mad at that. I'll I'm blame it on him it. not answering Ivanova correctly. Oh. <laughs> she asked him the question so those seasons ago. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, his career. yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, um, 
Brave in Babylon 5, the guy that's doing his rewatch there, she seemed to have kind of a Clarence conspiracy. You know, well, Corwin for him, but he is Clarence. Anyway, uh, that, you know, he thought he still, he's at the point in season three where uh, they've just broken away from her, and he still kind of thinks Clarence might be a mole for us. <sighs> He, he thinks he's actually working for Earth. He's kind of cute. He would have been the best mole ever if that were true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could just disarm them with his charm. <laughs> anyway, um, so we saw, well, yeah, telepath, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, um, we saw the formation of the interstellar alliance. Well, I guess it formed at the beginning of the pre end of the previous season, but yeah, we saw a lot of stuff with the interstellar alliance. Yeah. Which I don't know how we feel about this plot line because they kind of muddled through it and left it. It kind of went on a little bit too long, I think. I mean, this part about the attacks on the alliance worlds and what was the that alliance going to do? Problems. Yeah. <sighs> But what sticks in my mind, though, is always that um, speech from Jakar. He's, we are one speech. You know, it, it might be a little hokey, but Andres Casillas has got such a great speaking voice that it just carries such resonance. Yeah. have all the business with the... Um fighting in the alliance and the Drock and the Brakiri not the Drock, the Trazi and the Brakiri. Mm. Um and the uh, the allies of the shadows that were left behind wanting to get revenge. Yeah. Which led to the fall of Centauri Prime. I feel like this whole subplot was just there because he happened to put it in to the thing and you know into the future thing and it was just like there was no real there was no real like i don't know what's the word um momentum well that but i'm just thinking there's there was no like i don't know real will behind it not you will um, <laughs> i wasn't there <laughs> you know he didn't have a lot of backbone to it like he didn't really invest a lot in it and so, therefore, it just kind of flailed. It's weird because the whole Cartagia storyline was only a few episodes in season four, but that felt like it had more weight and meaning behind it. True. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's more impactful. Yeah. I think maybe the problem was we were missing a villain. We needed... A villain, a Morden type character on Centauri Prime to root against. And there just wasn't one there. It was this nebulous idea of the drop yeah. and the keepers. It just seemed like we had to get there because we said we were going there. And then we didn't really do a lot with it. I mean, it's everything you could have really predicted by just seeing that one episode. There was really not a lot of nuance. I mean, there the the episode with this was that an episode? No, I think that was the movie. Um, it was the movie, right? With the uh, with he he was telling a story to the kids. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. 
Okay. That was in the beginning, and that is separate from season five, which is a weird way to think of it, but it's a separate thing. But still, despite all of that, Londo's storyline was still very effective, even though the storyline of Sentai Prime wasn't as much. I hope I'm making sense again here because I'm see because I see a distinction between the two of them because we followed Londo since the very beginning and we've seen the ups and downs of his character and to see him come to his end it, it it's a tragedy for him. I mean, he just I don't know he ended with a whimper i guess in the season because you know his real end was again in in another season um so at a certain point like it was just silly to keep going with that um because we knew how it ended for him well you get to see how he dies and the position he ends up in but here you get to see the decisions he makes to put himself in that position. And I think that's two very different things. The the end of his story isn't actually in season three. That's the end of his character, not the end of his story. The end of his story is here in season five of making those last few decisions to seal his fate of even though he's always trying to do the right thing by his people, there's he's always making the wrong decisions because he he's always not quite doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like that part of this this uh, the season, I guess, but again, it was to serve an end. I don't know. I just felt like you were you're kind of stuck. Uh, with his storyline a little bit because you had to get to that point and you we always knew we had to get to that point whereas at least with um sheridan he had 20 years to the you know so they didn't have to like they weren't really stuck in a corner um with him so much he could i don't know i see I, you I mean, you're you, you're seeing the seams and uh, you're seeing the um you're seeing the technical side of things when it comes to Londo's character. You can't see it when it comes to Sheridan's character. It feels more natural there. Well, we knew he has 20 years to live, but they don't have to cover 20 years in the last season. But Uh, if you're going to say that Centauri Prime is occupied by this, you know, force and it's on fire and and Londo blames Sheridan you kind of have to you know tell that story um it's kind of a weird big story uh they didn't tell the whole yeah. thing but I mean I mean I, I liked I liked it I liked it on some levels um yeah uh, I know, but it got repetitive I think with with Londo and sure uh, I, uh, I can see that I can completely see that I'm not disagreeing as such. I was just trying to tease out some of the reasons why. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I think, I guess, in a sense, knowing that you had to go there kind of made it a little bit more palatable because I probably would have been really annoyed with Londo if I didn't know that, like, 
this had to happen. So, um, in that sense, I guess it worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, though, when he saw his end in season three at the hands of um, Jakar, you didn't know the extent to which their relationship would have progressed by season five to where, you know, because at the point in season three, when he saw that flash forward, they were still enemies. Right. But you get it. That episode from that episode, you get it. And I think that is also one of the reasons that we got annoyed with the Londo Jakar stuff, because we knew where it ended up and they just hit it over and over again. Um, the Londo and Jakar relationship, the hard to forgive, the slow forgiving. And sometimes it was just said too much when we knew kind of where we're going. So, I mean, I don't know. It's it's something I've never articulated before. So I'm just sort of feeling my way out around it. But, um, no, I I can uh, see why you wouldn't have brought it up before, because this is, you know, See, looking back at season five and seeing the overall shape of it and seeing where the characters went, not just what's happening in this one episode. Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't really, if, if it was between like having the Psy War and learning about how, you know, Londo's, learning more about how Londo's planet gets there, I guess I would have preferred the Psy War. Well, before I met Byron. But. <laughs> You know, I never did get that, so I guess that was kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's put put your whole thing with the um, feelings about the side war on the back burner because we'll come back to that at some point. We really will. It it, it it's it, it's something that's got to be touched on when we do the final Babylon Five overview. I think, but but the Byron storyline isn't the sidewall, but the Byron storyline is something else. It's it's a it's it's a telepath storyline, but it's not the telepath war. No, but I was done with telepaths for a bit. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we just started to discuss characters. We discussed, we have discussed Londo, and we touched on Jakar. What, but. Should we start going into the rest of Jakar's storyline and whilst we're there? Um, sure. Because his storyline here is basically the cult of personality, really, isn't it? Yeah, I wasn't, uh, I don't know, I guess I wasn't too keen on all of that stuff with his followers and Everyone worshiping him. Yeah, I think it is kind of neat that he, um, basically started a new religion <laughs> with his, his, um, his philosophy. But yeah, all the scenes with people like shouting at him and screaming and trying to get close to him. Cause I could have done without some of those. Yeah. Though I guess it wasn't really, it was, it was always kind of in the background a bit. Um, but they did hit it a lot. I'd say, although you, because of that, you really felt Jakar's frustration at it as well. Because he's exasperated and frustrated by this whole thing as well. 
so you you, you can empathise with him easier because you you know just um the characters like the one who's asking you know um what is truth you know and the got the the guy who ended up trying to assassinate him who made all the idols as well those two stand out to me um more for Jakar's exasperated frustration and reaction to it all yeah was this this isn't the no that was was it this season that we saw in the top or was it last season no it's this season okay yeah yeah we find the toth's been held upon centauri prime yeah so that was related to all that was the stuff with lando and realizing that something was going wrong with the government and mm. back to the stuff yeah, with the attacks he- on the alliance Vessels. Yeah, Jakar's wrapped up in that as well. Um, yeah, sorry, I was going to say something about Jakar that... Oh, yes, that, that was it. I think you could have had something really interesting going on if you had the whole pairing of Jakar and Lita much earlier in the season, almost immediately after she had lost Byron, if Jakar had been around then to kind of start mentoring her. I think that would have been a really interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if we needed more Jakar, like being all Jakari this season. <laughs> like he was pretty, like I mean, he was pretty. By this season, he's matured quite a bit, mm-hmm. and he was like a wise one um, for most of the season. And I don't know that we needed any more of him being a wise one. Um, I can see that, but there was moments with Lita in that one scene where some of the old mischievous Jakar was coming out because of the, you know, seeing some of himself in Lita. That would have been nice. Though Lita and Garibaldi hunting down Vester would have been kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, that could have been fun. Why didn't she do that? Um, <laughs> um so, uh, what other storylines or characters? There was well, we did see Lita, uh, Byron, <laughs> a lot of Lita and Byron, and in the end, Lita is arrested and kind of kicked off the station. Yeah, it's just. Uh, for me, it's this. I've always liked Lita as a character, and seeing her in this with Byron, it was awful. Uh, but post Byron, it was frustrating because she was trying to be proactive. She was trying to do similar things to what our, the rest of our heroes have been doing in previous seasons. But because there's a completely new political environment, she was being treated as the enemy by people who owed her. You know, she had done so many things for them, and then they just turned on her because of technically you, she was... A, doing terrorist act, but 
how much control over what other resistance cells were doing did she actually have? It's it's up to for debate, but it's kind of uh, it would have been nicer, I think, to have explored that more rather than just having this flat dismissal of Lita as having any credibility by uh, Sheridan and the rest. Yeah. I thought she definitely earned her anger. I mean, I oh, felt yeah. by the end, I felt, I mean, that was kind of annoying. I mean, like you were kind of annoyed with her, like, come on, Lita. Like, I feel like we saw how she got there. We understand how she got there. And it was earned, you know, completely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, some of this st- had started in season four because there's things that happened in season four where, you know, with the whole thing with Zahadum blowing up and Sheridan blaming her for that, it kind of starts to put them at odds with one another. And that it comes to the boil here in season five. Oh boy, we just had to suffer through. <laughs> yeah. Suffer through a lot before we got to that point. Mm, do you want to talk about Byron? <laughs> he was introduced this season. Well, I think he could have. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt as to like what could have been with this character. Um, but I mean, I don't know if he was given a chance really. Because uh, he. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know what was so annoying about him. Was it the actor? I'm not sure. I think essentially, right, the the actor was portraying a character that was meant to be annoying, but it was being written and then directed to be annoying in the wrong sort of ways. Because from our perspective, he didn't have any charisma. He was just irritating. But if you're trying to write a charismatic cult leader, as an audience, you've got to buy into some of that charisma. You can dislike the character, but you can still see, yes, he, he is a compelling and interesting charismatic character, but he's doing some really bad things and still dislike dislike what he's doing but like the character but we just dislike the character and what he was doing so i think that's a failing of the character yeah it's hard to say and and you know if it, I, I hate to say it but hair and makeup really made a difference it was so annoying <laughs> his, oh yeah locks of hair were and everybody's angry. why did everybody yeah. have to have the long hair and the i mean i guess there are some cults here in the u.s where that's kind of a typical thing with the long hair at least for the women but why it was so weirdly annoying and um it was it just stood out so much um and you had no other one that was an interesting character so it was like him they were all silent (laughs) silent people (laughs) and the one guy that kind of stood out a little bit was killed within the episode was that kid yeah the yeah. little dude yeah the uh the kid who only spoke in images and that could have you know you you could have done something with that uh, no 
uh, the whole flowing locks thing, I think because it was so obvious and stood out so much against everyone else, it it, it made them too visibly a thing. Yeah. Uh, remember And Byron. then all you get is like, yeah, remember Byron, no. Uh, all remember you get the is mistakes like, he made. Background people that maybe aren't the best actors because they don't have lines. So I don't know. It was just. Uh, and it doesn't help when you, uh, you had an awful. Uh, when Byron and Lita got together and the rest of the telepaths felt it and just. That was awful. <laughs> There's no privacy among the telepaths. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of it's gross. Well, <laughs> you could accept it if, say, they were a cult, you know, they were a group that grew up together and kind of had no outside contact of, yes, you know, what, do, you know, you could accept, oh, socially they don't have any, you know, barriers like that. But, they're not. They either are on the run from the cycle, um, either used to belong to the cycle, or were managed to avoid being tested and things like that. So they've grown up in a society that has certain social boundaries. That they understand those social boundaries, and it just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't have them. Um. Yeah. And we didn't really, like, thinking about this season, you know, compared to the other seasons, the other seasons we had a lot more interference with governments and, like, the Membari and Earth and... Um, Outside Even forces. the Centauri. Yeah. And this season was very was a lot more insular. Yeah. And, and you didn't really feel as much of, uh, I don't know, like, urgency or weight... I don't want to say urgency, but it was as much more of a scope, I guess. Maybe it wasn't like I think, like you mentioned, there wasn't a real villain per se, unless you want to consider Byron a villain <laughs> um, or Lita. But um, there wasn't like that real enemy, I guess, that they've had. I think we were supposed to like Byron, weren't we? <laughs> I don't know. I know, I know. I know, I'm just joking. I was like, we were supposed <laughs> to like him. I was just thinking about it. Yeah, how would it have been different if we had liked him and been on his side? <laughs> and that would have maybe worked a little bit better. I wonder if there was any change. I mean, was there any change in the story How because of people's reactions to um, the storyline, how it was going? Or I don't know, because uh, the I think the way... It was screened back then. Um, it, I think it had been written before it even started airing, and maybe even fil- already filmed before it started airing. I'm not sure exactly. Mm. But uh, at the beginning of this season, we told the story of JMS's original notes and plans for the fifth season were lost at a convention, were destroyed by cleaning stuff. And I think... Because well, it makes it sound the, like the cleaning staff were on a vendetta. <laughs> oh, no, but <laughs> it, it's because uh, um, Babylon 5 is, was such an epic undertaking for him and he had planned a lot in advance. 
I think that hampered him in season five because he would he had to go from memory of the things he had planned, and I'm sure he would have been able to remember a lot of the main points, but a lot a lot of the details were lost and nuances were lost, and I think that hampers season five. And I'm sure you or Heidi at the start of the season said, yeah, that's just an excuse. And perhaps it is, but there has to be a reason why season five is the weaker season. (laughs) Maybe he, oh, he did, you know, have to redo the storyline because they did. You know, some of what was in season four would have been in season five. Yeah, there's that things as well. Out. It's ah, uh, I, I think it's just a lot of small things that add up to an overall mess. <laughs> I don't have any other. See what other story? I would you know what else was Lanier. annoying. But yeah, that's what I was about to say. Linear. <laughs> <laughs> what else was annoying in season five? <laughs> yeah, again, um. I I listened to the most recent episode um, of the uh, I think it's the Intro Guide to Babylon Five or something like that. I can't quite remember the full title, but their podcast recently went over Atonement, and um, they pointed out in their spoiler space because that's how they work. But they pointed out that Lanier's turn in season five isn't as sudden and unexpected as they previously had thought um, some of what they were saying such as there are people who go through things the same have the same character traits and do the same sort of things Linnea does that while he may seem like a loyal and trustworthy person the intent of what he's doing, even from the very beginning, almost beginning anyway, is flawed, is selfish, is I want Delenn to love me. I oh, want yeah. her, and I think... Uh, and, and he has an image of what Delenn is in his head, and because she constantly just acts out of her own... Um, code not code because she's her own person and isn't this personified idol he has in his head um his actions are just motivated just even in past seasons are actually quite bad and it's not as said his turn in the second to last episode so it isn't quite as certain as I was thinking previously even. It's it's almost a logical conclusion of that character. But I think maybe because we didn't see him as much in season five, it felt sudden. Yeah, yeah. I don't I... Yeah, we know he's in love with her, but I think it was still surprising that he was at, he actually decided to let Sheridan die at one point. He did change his mind, but I think it still was a little bit <laughs> surprising that he would go that far you know and if they're gonna do that i think it would have been way more interesting to have it be partly um a species thing you know to have him really struggle 
with Delenn changing and her marrying a human and her being, you know, so I guess indicative of a Mimbari, you know, so integrated into the like echelons of Mimbari. And I think it would have been more interesting to see him struggle with that part rather than just some boring old I'm in love with her thing. I think the problem is that we didn't see it rather than not necessarily, um, it not be there. I think it was there, but we didn't get to see it because we are, we're told after the fact that he's been keeping this diary saying he believes the marriage between Delenn and Sheridan is fundamentally wrong, you know, and non-Membari. And, but you at know, that point, I mean, we already know that he like is in love with her to a very, unfortunate degree so you can almost write it off to him just making up any excuse you know because he was never against working with humans and before i mean even from the first episode of the i think it's the first episode of the season he goes up to her and he's and they, they talk about it you know i mean she acknowledges that he loves her and you know so that's like the underwriting theme the whole time I, I, yeah, so I think I'm going, I'm not quite articulating myself. I think, I, I, I just think that we should have seen the journey, seen the actual things you're saying of him actually starting to question whether, you know, relying with the humans is right or, or, you know, idealizing Delaine and saying everything she says is right, but she's misguided on this thing. She's, you know, it's, it's one of those things of seeing, creating these delu, you know, delusions. That means seeing him more in the seasoning, you know, creating a storyline where the events we see in the final episode have more weight behind it. Yeah, I just think it would have been way more interesting if it came from a place of he lo- he loves her as a friend, as a mentor, but yet is really struggling with the fact that she is marrying a human. That would have been interesting. Like a like, there's no underlying selfish necessarily reason for it, so you can't just write it off to him being selfish and wanting her for himself. If they had just left that out and had a, him really just feel that way on a species level, that would have been kind of interesting. Um, but just to have it like be this lovesick thing where he just, I mean, Lanier from the beginning was so, I don't know. He was just set up as so good and, uh, unselfish and, you know, dedicated and helpful. And I don't know, just to see it, him, go that way because he and plus i mean i don't get it <laughs> so <Right>. okay <laughs> why are you so in love with Delenn? <laughs> but um <laughs> beside that it was just kind of a sad a sad little way to see him go i you know it's just sad what they what happened to his character so he met her a few episodes in this season one but i can't remember did he like know a lot about her before I thought he did, if I remember correctly. Okay. 
But I, I don't remember. I mean, I... no. I think in season one, his first time he meets her, it's kind of uh, when he comes aboard as her attaché, he's in reverence of her because yeah. she's a member of the Grey Council. It's right. Oh, but I thought especially for her or something. She's probably like well known. Well, she's a high. She's a member of the Grey Council, member of the religious caste chosen of Ducat. That would have been known that Ducat was her mentor. It, and, and Ducat's this huge um, personality on member. It's kind of... So it's kind of... Mm, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. It, 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 I think it probably would be like working for the person that was closest to JFK, who was basically JFK was grooming as his successor, and you're now working for that person. JFK? Uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy, for example, because um, Ducat was this charismatic, popular leader uh, uh, for the Membari. And Delenn was his protege. Um, and so Lanier's now working for Ducat's protege of, wow, this, this person is so important. This person has such wisdom. This person, <laughs> you, I, I'm not, I, right. I'm if so, he had known of them, known of her and known that yeah. she was very, you know, loved of Ducat. Oh yeah, I'm I'm almost certain. Yeah, and I wondered. Oh, nobody knew that she had. No, people know knew that she was the one that gave the order, right? Um, no, because in in atonement, that's something that was found. The Grey Council, no, the Grey Council knew. Just the Grey Council. Yeah. Okay. Everyone else just knew the Grey Council uh, um, took the decision. Hmm. Poor Lanier. Yeah. Poor Natoth, but poor poor Lanier as well. <laughs> and there's yeah. out there on his own. Veer is the only uh, aide that uh, did well for himself. Yeah, we didn't In see a lot of Veer, did we? No. No, we really didn't. Because he was more at the end, it seems like we had him more, but we really didn't. Uh, it's it's a shame as well because he had such a huge character moment in season four of killing the emperor of that that was such a huge defining moment for his character and then he went to the background in rest of season four and then barely seen in season five. Yeah, yeah, I, it's it's funny because I don't remember I I remember missing him you know but I don't remember how much he was gone. But I think a lot. But then at the end, he was there, so it's hard to remember exactly. Mm. Well, at least he ended up working with Zach, you know? I'd like to know the story behind it. I wonder if that's in the novels anywhere. I wonder too, but I definitely... I like the idea that, you know, Zach and... Well, that's at the end of um, Sleeping in Light, where... Um, Zach's working with Emperor Veer. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I was going in and out. Okay. 
Yeah, we, uh, we're just saying that I like Zach at the end working with Emperor Veer. That's a nice moment. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Zach, kind of, it's funny how, when did Zach start? Season two? Yep. Or we saw him in season yeah. two, but I think he had been around. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, right. <laughs> um, yeah, Zach kind of, Zach was the head of security this season. Well, I guess he became head last season. Yeah, but we haven't really again, talked about Garibaldi much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, Garibaldi, uh, it's again a disappointing storyline there, I think. But the problem with Zach in this season as well, he was tied up with the Byron story arc. <laughs> yeah, he got dragged down by that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was involved with yeah, Byron and Lita and all that. Garibaldi had a lot of uh, his uh, his his uh, drinking problem uh, that really dragged the season down too. Oh yeah, that was yeah that it was it was understandable for what happened to his character, but I think it went on too long. Yeah, I mean, note to showrunners: it's really hard to do that right. It's usually annoying. Mm. I mean, when you're having to deal with that with a character, because usually it's not done in a real in-depth way um i don't know uh, yeah you can either it can either go on too long and but not go into enough detail in some ways or it can get solved far too quickly like this previous season with uh on arrow spoilers for arrow um where the character Quentin lance starts off um drinking uh, because of one of his daughters had died again um, <laughs> and um, essentially gets sent off to rehab for about five episodes and so shows back up against sober. Oh, I will say at least with Garibaldi, we knew for a while that he had a problem and yeah. it was kind of a slow build in that sense. So it didn't come out of nowhere, and it's not solved right because you know he's always going to be—he's uh, yeah. always going to have that hanging over him. Yeah, so. and he wasn't shoved off to rehab. He actually—it was an ugly, sobering process, you know. And um, Lisa had to come back to kind of bring him round again, and it—he had to hit rock bottom before that happened. And so. It was done okay. It just w- was done, you know, what took far too long for him to get to that point. Oops. I think, <laughs> anyway. But at least at the end, he got his uh, crap together and yeah. took over Edgar's Industries. Oh, and I know. of course. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, if somebody had said, like, this is where Garibaldi ends up at the end of the series. <laughs> it would have been so weird. Yeah, I know. But um, also, at least out of this, we got to see number one again. True. <laughs> and, and number one's now head, head of uh, security, not security, head of intelligence for the Interstellar Alliance, or at least was prior to the 20 years later. And... See, Franklin didn't do a lot except get a new job. Yeah, Franklin. Yeah. Was, I guess that's good. Yeah. <laughs> He's away from, you know, 
Maybe he won't get in as much trouble on Earth. In the future, he seemed like he was, you know, well-adjusted. and <laughs> Yeah. Not. There was something... I can't remember. Did I dream this or did this happen? There was something, a reference in maybe some show about touching faces, and it reminded me of... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> about somebody <laughs> touching everyone's face or something. I mean, that really is kind of us more than anyone else, but it, once we see it, we can't unsee it. <laughs> right. Consent, Dr. Franklin, consent. <laughs> That's important. Um, see, so Sheridan and Delenn were deep, I guess their storyline, I guess their storylines have been pretty much <laughs> intertwined since well, Sheridan came aboard. Is- but in up until season five, Delenn had her own story. Yeah. Now it, it's in season five, she's just Delenn. Uh, sorry, she's just Sheridan's wife. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she didn't have much to do, which on the one hand made her less annoying, but on the other hand, it's kind of sad for her character. Oh yeah, I mean. She does a bit more in the final episode, but again, it's all about Sheridan. Sheridan dying. Yeah, 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 definitely. She's the one who stood up to those Earth ships and said, <laughs> I know. to kick your butt. <laughs> She's the one who took on the Drak in season four. Yeah. Well, that was season four. When she did that whole, you know, she discovered um, the drug had approached some of the Membari and she started yeah. fighting against them. And then she was kind of active in the solution to the Membari civil war as well in season four. She just doesn't have her own story here in season five. No. She's the Me head too. of the Rangers. She's I know. It's almost like is. they see them as a couple and they can't have their own stories or something. It's like I don't know. Brangelina or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, <laughs> what are no they it's not even that because Sheridan has a couple of moments for his own storyline. Well, I mean, he has his own story, but then she can't have her own story. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she's like the second main character, I think. And she is. Why she doesn't have her own story, I don't know. That's the only thing I could think. And the you know. only, only new thing to happen to her in season five is she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's not even explored. It's just... Thank God. Franklin, yes, but, you know, it's it would have been something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it would have been bad, it would have been something. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I think the microphone is picking up re-snoring, so you might be hearing that. <laughs> oh, I can't that. hear. <laughs> I'm not hearing it. Um, I had some drilling here a few minutes ago. I was wondering whether that got picked up. <laughs> I didn't hear it. Um, yeah, so that's. I think that's about everybody. Yeah, that's. it, it seems wrong, doesn't it? I guess we talked a little bit about Lockley. Uh, she didn't... She, Early on, she would, you know, they were just introducing her, but I guess, of course, as, as the season went on, she wasn't as important, maybe. Right. Mm. I think I can hear him snoring now. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, no, it's okay. Um, yeah, she didn't have as much of a role later on. I don't know why. 
I guess there was just too much to cover. I will. I'm going to give a very minor spoiler for Crusade. Uh oh. Very minor, but she does (laughs) appear in Crusade. Oh, yeah. But not the episodes I've listed, sadly. Okay. But she she is in Crusade. That's cool. All right. So, do we have a most favorite and least favorite plotline? I'm going to say least favorite is probably the telepath story. (laughs) Yes, unfortunately. Byron. I'll just put down Byron. (laughs) <laughs> and what about most favorite? Oh, hmm. I don't know. I think my favorite was the fall of Centauri Prime. It was kind of it was so sad and tragic. We knew it was a good episode for sure. Yeah. Just those I would two say episodes. It was good for me though. It was the goodbyes because that is a storyline because it takes place over three episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's not Garibaldi. It's not uh, Delenn. It's not Lanier. (laughs) It's not uh, Jakar and Londo. It's not. mm, I guess. I mean, by default, it either has to be. The fall of Centauri Prime or Lita's sort of transformation, but then that involved the telepaths, so that's a hard one. Mm. Yeah, Clarence. <laughs> Clarence. Okay, that's whatever he did. <laughs> no, Clarence actually. The storyline we never got to see. Yeah. God, that's a hard one. There wasn't that many great ones. Yeah. Mm. I think we've kind of touched upon our favorite moments. There weren't a whole, <laughs> there are a lot of bad moments, but <laughs> for his favorites, uh, wait, um, I guess my favorite moments might be probably were in the finale, even though it's kind of sad, you know, seeing Babylon 5 destroy the music that was playing. There was that one with Zach and Lita in the elevator. That's in the um, third space movie. Damn He's it. not. Favorite <laughs> <laughs> uh, moments. Uh, maybe Garibaldi threatening Bastard. Did that happen this season? Yeah, it did. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to also have to say um, moments in Sleeping Light. Probably the destruction of Babylon 5. Weird as it sounds, <laughs> because mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it was the most moving moment for me, and so it always sticks in my mind as a you know as yeah the end of Babylon Five. Londo's speech to Centauri Prime, that was a good moment. It was actually you know, and Londo's you'll always be my friends. <laughs> oh, that. That's a shame. Yeah. Okay. What about our characters of the season? I did my tally like this <laughs> couple minutes before we started because I forgot to do it before. Um, <laughs> that's why I was late calling. Um, okay. So, human of the season, Sheridan had five, and Lockley, Zach, and Franklin tied with three. 
Uh, Franklin had three. Yeah. What did he do this season? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he was. Maybe some. Maybe he was pretty much the only one. And some like he won the chorus mother, the chorus father. Oh, I know why he won that. It's because the other humans in that were either Byron or Bester, (laughs) or, uh, or there wasn't really much of anyone else. Yeah, he won Secrets of the Soul, which he was kind of the focus of the episode, or one of the focuses, except other yeah, than Byron. Yeah, like one of those things of you have to give it to these people because they're the focus of the episode. Again, I think it's why Sheridan won five of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it didn't seem like Franklin had much to do this season, so that's kind of surprising. So I guess we can... Uh, do you want to give it to, I guess, Sheridan? Yeah. Yeah. Even though my uh, honorable mention goes to Clarence. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Too bad Ivanova wasn't around more. It wasn't. And it's just kind of sad to think that um, they had never actually got her back for season five because all of her appearances, this, you know, were filmed before she left. Right. But I guess they made up since then. So, um, what about Alien? Alien, the runaway. Well, I guess you can say a runaway winner is Jakar with seven, which is like yeah, a third okay. of the season. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised that it, when it comes to the overall, that he kind of wins Alien of the entire series. Yeah, Veer came yeah. in second with three. Hey, for Veer. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Jakar and Sheridan win the season. I feel like Jakar has won Alien of the year before, but uh, I think I mean, so. deservedly, I'm sure. Yeah, he won season three, tied with Londo for season two. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, what else do we have to do for uh, season five? I think that's it. We usually do characters we want to see back, but, you know, it's the last season, so... <laughs> See, that's well. We do have the movie. Now, who would you like? To, who would we like to see in the movies? <laughs> I kind of know who's. Well, I know some. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Will and I know. So, who do you want to see back? I mean, all of them, I guess, except for maybe. Well, yeah. If Lanier comes back, like, uh, like if this is like a in the past, Lanier. <laughs> um. <laughs> There's really nobody I wouldn't want to see. More Clarence, obviously. When is this movie taking place, anyway? Well, I think we should get to that when we get to the uh, predictions, I think. <laughs> oh, we're doing predictions? Well, uh. you, you got to predict what the movie's about, and I've got episode titles if you want them. Yeah, that's sure. Yeah, I think so. we... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let us, um, go to feedback land. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to find <laughs> feedback. Uh, where did I put it? Okay. Here it is. Uh, this week we have one piece of feedback. It's from Melanie. I'll read this one. Melanie says, hi down below. I had some catching up to do. So I'll start with some short thoughts on the last three episodes. It was nice seeing Garibaldi back in the game again. I love Jakar Echoes. Jakar's echoes of our conversation speech, which I'm sure someone quoted. 
Oh yeah, we didn't do yeah. quotes. I'm not sure if we normally do quotes. I think we maybe did I'll the first time, remember. but not. Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, Sheridan was right. It was the it's the first time Jakar called him John. I was. Oh yeah, we probably covered it when we actually did the episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was listening for it since the start of season two. If Delin's speech in the Zocalo is anything to go by, she hates goodbyes about as much as I do. That's why I've been postponing these three episodes. I love the bit where Sheridan orders the white star to match the rotation of the station, and we see the Babylon 5 project continuing despite most of the characters leaving. And then for Sleeping in Light, I knew it was a perfect episode, but I have forgotten just how good it was. The final quiet get-together is just how I think a show should end. I loved getting to see the characters remember the moments we never saw. Ivanova's closing monologue was perfect. Since I've been watching this like a movie with pauses to write feedback, I will be rating it like one long thing. Rating 9.5, bonus for Veer's story about Londo and the Pachmira, 0.5, final rating, 10 goodbyes. Human of the Weeks, John Sheridan, Alien, Emperor Veer, Linconi, Kato. <laughs> then for my overall thoughts on Season 5, with some expectations, every episode seemed to get better than the last one that came before. Lockley always grew on me during the season, especially after Day of the Dead, but it was nice to see Ivanova again at the end. Aside from all of Sleeping in Light, my favorite moment was Jakar forgiving Londo before the latter accepts his keeper. Overall rating for the season, 8. Bonus for the final 5 episodes, 0.55. Final rating, 8.5 sliced up drowsy fruit stands. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh, human, yeah. of the, human of the season, Zach, Alien, Veer. <laughs> because true strength sometimes comes from the most unlikely places. Best regards, Melanie, the Krakovian Veer fan. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks, yes. Melanie. Great hearing from you, Melody. All right. Mm. Do we We're nearly done? Yeah, do we want to... Yeah, so next episode we'll be watching the movie A Call to Arms, which sets up the uh, spin-off Crusade. So we'll be doing an overview of Crusade. I've got a couple of episodes, because uh, apparently, Will, you've not seen it yet. I have. Um, and I managed to come up with four episodes I think you'd like and gives a nice overview of the series. One of these, you kind gets the core of what Crusade is and what it would have become. The other three just are more flavour. Um, first is Racing the Night, which is JMS's preferred introduction to Crusade. <laughs> okay. But like with other shows like Firefly, it was aired completely out of order. So yeah, it's episode TNT nine. <laughs> So that's actually episode nine on the DVDs, I think. <laughs> the second episode um, is that's Well crazy. Off Forever, which is episode three. Sorry, episode three on the DVDs. Um, I'm not sure what it is in the order. Um, and then the, the, the third episode is the one I recommend. If you can't watch any other episode you watch because it'll just tell you what Crusade was going to be about, is Each Night I Dream of Home, which was the 13th episode. 
Um, and The Last Maid, I think. And the final one, um, in terms of the chronology JMS set out for how things would have happened in his preferred order, is The Path of Sorrows. Okay, so remind me how we're recording these. No, I think we're just going to have like a general discussion of uh, Crusade and what happened and what would have happened and just yeah. after we talk about the movie. Okay, mm-hmm. like not in the same episode, though. Yeah, in the same episode. Oh, but we're not doing it soon, right? Because that's a movie in four episodes. As I said, if you don't have time for four episodes, you don't have time. Well, we, I, I would we like give... to watch them, but I mean... yeah. Maybe if we give a break for a couple of weeks, because we still got to release the last episode on this. Uh, we can do Crusade in a later episode, maybe at the end, maybe the final episode. My before April's, the overview, yeah. final episode before the overview, yeah. yeah. My April's starting to fill up, I don't want to delay too many more times. Okay, okay. So next week we're doing the moot. Yeah, the just movie. to call to arms. A call okay. to arms. That's the last movie. No, there two. Well, there. Yeah, there are two more after that. Well, well after it's that. the last. It's the last TV movie. Uh, we've also got a pilot for a show that never got off the ground, which it, you know. Um, and then we've got a straight to DVD release, which is two shorts, which it adds up to more a movie. Okay. <laughs> And then okay. if you, if we're going to do Crusade as a separate episode, it's these four episodes, and I'll post it on Facebook. Okay, it's just uh, that I have I'm supposed to I'm supposed to have family here almost all night every night this week, so it'd be hard for me to watch the movie and the three episodes. Okay, I I completely understand that. It's just if we go if you go if we are going to discuss Crusade, these are kind of our core episodes of where you know what the series was about yeah no i totally do so yeah. if we can fit them into another recording that we're already doing then that's cool all right okay so are we rating the season or um do that i don't think yeah we talked about our uh, average ratings i don't think we did more than that before uh, average rating was 7.16 I mean, that Which seems about right. Makes it the lowest of the five. Yeah, it's 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 disappointing. It's that way, but I think it would have had a slightly higher rating if we had binge watched it. That's very possible. That's, yeah. All right. I think that's a wrap for season five. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's sorry, Heidi couldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back next time with a call to arms. But until then, goodbye. Be seeing you. Bye. Stroke off. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. 